This is Voices of COVID-19. I'm Brian Lucas. Thanks for joining us. If you're like me, one of the sustaining forces through the past year and a half has been music. Whether it was listening to favorite artists and albums or discovering something new, music helped us escape and perhaps process some of the feelings and anxieties that were a natural and necessary part of the pandemic experience. For musicians, however, the pandemic provided a different set of challenges. COVID-19 forced cancellation of performances, brought uncertainty about income, and created an environment that isn't always conducive to creative output and expression. Singer-songwriter Jeremy Messersmith was one of my lifelines during the pandemic. He released new tracks every couple of months under a project he called Mixtape for the Milky Way. It's a collection of beautiful, often sad and deeply personal songs that seemed to fit the mood of the pandemic. These releases were just one of the many ways that Jeremy tried to adapt and cope during a scary and uncertain time. I'm thankful to have him here now to talk about his journey and how he's feeling as we round the corner toward normal again. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So my first question is just kind of asking you to take a look back to the beginning of the pandemic. Can you remember when it was that you realized that this was going to be a big deal and that it was going to change your life and all of our lives? Yeah, I think I I thought of, I mean, I'd read about COVID and, you know, and, and, and knew what was going on in China for a few months, at least through January and kind of February. But I didn't really have a conception, you know, that it was a thing that would come here, yeah. <laughs> you know, a thing that would circle the globe. You know, I just had never lived through a pandemic before, like a plague, which is not in my, not in my mental playbook of things that I ever needed to be prepared for. So I think it didn't really hit, at least for me until I, I literally got sick for like, uh, like a month. Uh, and that would have been in, I think, March. I remember just feeling like I had a bit of a sniffle you know kind of a thing like a little bit you know like mm-hmm. nothing nothing big and I remember talking with my my brother uh, on the phone who was um, uh, at the time and he still is an ER doctor but he was in uh, San Antonio practicing uh, emergency medicine and he was asking how what I was up to and I was like oh yeah I got like a little sniffle or something but uh, yeah I'm gonna go to uh, I'm gonna go check out some Shakespeare at the theater this evening and he's like no, no, you're not. <laughs> I was like, what? And he's like, no. Think about the audience at Shakespeare. It's going to be people who are older. Yeah. Are, are you going to try to kill them? <laughs> like, do you, have you thought that perhaps you may even have COVID? We don't even have the testing capability, but yeah, you no, you're, you're not going to that. That was the first time that I really had a thought of like, oh, this is, okay, I guess I should really be taking this seriously. And then it was like, oh boy, I had shows like, you know, weeks before. Did I have COVID then? Did I get COVID there? So yeah, I just, I got sick and then was in my house for just about six weeks or something like that. Did you ever figure out if that was COVID or? No, I, I never really did. So the test came back negative, but I guess the tests back then weren't super great. So it's possible that I did, I got like super feverish uh-huh. and, uh, you know, had, had a bunch of, you know, kind of like covid symptoms and stuff. So when your brother's saying you're not going to go out <laughs> yeah. and you're not going to expose people and then you go into your home, what's going through your head? How are you handling all of a sudden this uncertainty when we didn't even really know that much about the virus at the point? I think by doing what everybody did, which was just 
freak out a lot, you know, just kind of like ride the big waves of anxiety as they popped up and then scour the internet for any new information at all to learn if uh, I was going to die or if I, I had potentially killed anyone. At the time for me, like it kind of just felt like my body was on a weird roller coaster and I wasn't really sure what was going on. You know, just like wake up with like racing heart and stuff, mm -hmm. you know. And it's hard to separate what was if perhaps physical manifestation of COVID mm -hmm. or just this anxiety of not only is there a virus out there, but all of a sudden I'm being forced to separate from everybody and yeah. just be alone with my thoughts and think about the virus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe the biggest thing I learned is that I really do like being alone, but only on my own terms, <laughs> you know, it's, mm -hmm. then it's not, it's not particularly fun. Like I've, I've always been kind of a, a solitary person. So I spend I spend months out of the year uh, just by myself. Uh, but when you have to do that, it's not nearly as fun. The week before everything hit, I had directed my manager and I was like, Becky, I am so ready to play a ton of shows this spring. I got new songs I want to do. I got all this stuff. I had just bought like a gigantic year planner. <laughs> You know, like a huge one that stretched out like my whole refrigerator and I bought it out like my whole year. And I was heading on tour, I was doing all this stuff. And then like a month into it, I was finally like, this is just cruel. <laughs> and I just, I, just, I just took it down. I was like, I, I just live one day at a time now. Just just one day. But you had things like, like the 10th anniversary of The Reluctant Graveyard, right? It was coming out mm -hmm. right during that. And so I assume you had plans for that and it was stuff that you were excited about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was the 10th anniversary of uh, my album, The Reluctant Graveyard, and we had some anniversary shows planned, like a, a vinyl reissue and stuff, and then uh, we just had to kind of keep punting it. We were going to cancel it, because we weren't sure, like, I mean, winter shows even ever coming back. I've had the conversation with a few of my bandmates. <laughs> like, we, were, uh, we finally got together for rehearsal uh, a few weeks ago, and they were like, so did all of you just have a thought of, like, well... I guess I'm done with that part of my life now forever, you know, like it's time to hawk the gear. And I think we all kind of did because we didn't really see the kind of a, a path back to it. Although I am very happy that we were able to reschedule the shows. Two years late, but, uh, but they're going to happen. As somebody who was excited about touring and doing shows and like sharing the work that you've been working on for so long, how do you redirect that? What becomes your creative outlet when that's taken away from you? But I realized it was a chance to kind of turn inward and maybe just kind of render things on a smaller scale creatively. So I did that in a few ways. Uh, one way was I got really into haiku and uh, subscribed to a bunch of haiku journals and just read a ton of haiku, uh, English and, and then some Japanese as well. And... Um, and I started just writing it, and it, I would just do it as a meditative practice if I was feeling anxious or something. And, uh, you know, for several months, I was just, you know, in a small one-bedroom apartment in, in uptown Minneapolis. So I would just write about literally what I saw, and um, it was really interesting to kind of learn, like, a new form, but to, to try to just render something on such a tiny, tiny little granular level of reality. But um, if you're in a, in a room by yourself, I mean, you're seeing the same things every day. How, yes. How did you? Well, except uh, for the occasional visitor that would come in. So that would be, uh, you know, either a spider or an ant or something like that. And then it was just like, oh, this is, this is the most exciting thing that's happened all day. This is amazing. And I was like, 
is this how people in like solitary like stay sane? Maybe, but okay, well, yeah. here we go. So I'd, I'd write a poem about the shower spider or uh, or the ants or the, the the birds outside the kitchen window or or something like that. The hard thing was that I couldn't really listen to music. Couldn't do it at all. Wow. Uh, I went for probably six months not listening to anything. I think because music is a way for me to just open up emotionally and when I hear other people's music I mean it kind of puts me in their shoes for where they're at emotionally sometimes that's a really volatile place to be and I felt like I couldn't muster enough empathy to listen to music in the way that I like in which I empty you know you kind of empty yourself and become the person that's in the song for the while and try that out and see you know how that makes you feel see if there's anything there for you and I just couldn't uh, I don't think I've ever had a period in my life where where that's happened before in terms of this you know kind of cutting off from music the other thing is cutting off from performing and I, and a lot of artists immediately went online and started doing sort of Zoom performances and things like that. And I remember when I talked to John Munson about this, he said that he watched one with the Indigo Girls and it just made him sad. <laughs> and he was like, I, I love them, I, but just the idea of them performing just for a camera, for a virtual world, yeah. it just, he couldn't find the connection and the joy in it. Mm. What was your thought initially as you saw a lot of your colleagues, you know, scheduling a lot of regular concerts and things like that. I initially just felt very excited because I was very happy to see anyone. <laughs> In particular, uh, I really enjoyed Dessa's a lot. She had a really fun show and it was fun seeing kind of her learning kind of a new visual medium and how to interact with people and stuff. And, um, and then it felt like everybody was kind of on that learning curve and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. There was a time, too, where just for a couple weeks, uh, my, my bandmate Dan Lewan would just play his cello. Like, maybe he was practicing even, but he would just play for like a half hour every evening. That was when I was like like pretty sick and just feeling kind of miserable. And uh, But I got so excited to tune in and just see him and, uh, you know, occasionally just, you know, do the Instagram wave at him when he's playing like a, a Bach piece or something like that. But um, I felt great that people could muster enough energy to kind of throw it into the, the, the black hole, the, the void that is uh, performing <laughs> online. So much about performing is conducting energy between the audience and, and performer and stuff and I'm not particularly mystical, but there's kind of like a channeling that sort of happens. And um, to be able to not see how stuff is falling uh, on human faces, to see how maybe you should respond to that. Like, does the audience need a joke? Does it need, does it not need that? Are, are they with me? Can I dive into this song? Can I go, can I go really deep here? You don't really have that. And um, I found, for the most part, to find the online performing uh, to be just really uh, emotionally draining. Uh, you don't really get any of the, you know, the, old, yeah. uh, the old pats on the back, so, so to speak. It was hard to know if anything was really working. So I did a, I did a couple things. I did a few just shows where I would, I would play, some online shows. Um, and then I also did one called Bad Songs with Jeremy. Yeah, I wanted um, to ask you about that. And, and that was such a unique take on this regular show. How did you come up with that idea? And... And why? <laughs> well, I guess I kind of wanted to do a little bit of deconstruction. Uh, so being like somebody who makes music for a living, uh, you know, presents as you know, like a songwriter, an artist, 
I only really ever show people like my successes. And those are really so rare. Like the good songs are really rare. I write mostly garbage, and then sometimes I can polish it into something that people like. But for the most part, it's 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 not particularly great. Uh, so I wanted to make kind of like a monument to to failure, uh, <laughs> and let people know that it was okay to, you know, it's it's fine to not do your best work. Yeah. You know, who who even knows what that is anyway? And usually, you're not a good judge of your best work in any case. So. I just went to my archives, and uh, which are substantial. I mean, they're not like Prince level archives. Probably, I don't. Have, I don't have you can a, go vault, a vault, but I do have a Dropbox folder that I would probably rather die than <laughs> like exp- like give to anyone of of horrible horrible songs that I've written, and I have so so many of those. And so it was kind of a delight to kind of pick out a theme every week, and then uh, you know have a whiskey and just kind of laugh at how terrible terrible some of these songs are. And it seemed like that era of your COVID experience happened at a time when we needed something different and we needed to laugh a little bit. And so I think that 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 allowed us to do that when we tuned in. The other hard part, though, for you is you couldn't hear if we were laughing or not. Nope. (laughs) No, not at all. So uh, I hope people found it amusing. Uh, We'll see. It was funny. uh, Dessa and I would text uh, quite a bit about it. And we would text and uh, try to basically prank each other every episode where we would try to one-up each other with something. So, uh, you know, she would diss my choice of whiskey and, you know, whatever else. But it was so, so delightful to... Be uh, to be kind of like play uh, enemies for a couple months. You needed a, a COVID foil. Oh, you needed like a... it was so great. I mean, <laughs> I think I work better with a foil anyway, as I'm not a particularly serious person most of the time. So, uh, but yeah, that was a real a real joy. One of the other projects that you did was mixtape for the Milky Way, which you put out. What was it like ten songs probably in the end? Something yeah. Like that. How did that come about? And and from my perspective these seem like very introspective songs well i mean the bulk of the mixtape for the milky way uh stuff was just my creative output for probably three or four years uh i just had a collection of songs that didn't feel kind of like you know orchestral pop rock music um and it didn't feel like definitely didn't feel like happy ukulele music either and I just wasn't sure what to do with them but it felt like a thing that I needed to make just as a way to unravel some stuff in in myself and um, I think it's kind of the first album that I've I I feel like the ukulele album that I made uh, 11 obscene the optimistic songs for ukulele um, was kind of like a record I wrote for for little me it's like a like if, if I was a kid this is what I would would have wanted somebody to share with me, maybe. But I feel like uh, mixtape for the Milky Way is 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 maybe even just for me. <laughs> I'm usually like a big song idea person, and these were all uh, autobiographical for me. Um, I thought that was interesting because at a time when listening to music was maybe too emotional, but you put out some really emotional songs. Yeah, and was that therapeutic for you in any way or did I mean or what was it like to kind of expose yourself in this time it's always terrifying putting out an album because you're like 
what if this is ter terrible, you know? And I have to say that deciding to kind of like stretch it out and release a few at a time, one, I was like, I don't know if anybody could sit down and digest all of these in one listen. Like they're, they're just heavy songs. They're very, they're very sad for the most part. Um, so maybe to make it a little more digestible, just release one and um, at a time, once every couple months maybe. And I guess it was, it was also at the time I started, it was September 2020. Um, and it felt like it would be nice to have a kind of a bridge into the future. There was a lot of volatility politically with COVID. There was so much. It was just a shit show every day. And I felt like it would be nice to have a bridge into the future. So maybe reality would be vastly different by the time I finished uh, releasing them. And um, I, I was very happy that it is uh, better uh, than it was. Um, but I f did feel very emotionally exposed. I kind of had to curl up uh, a little bit and be maybe a little more of a, a recluse than even COVID required because I just felt like I couldn't um, extend myself emotionally. Like it was just like, here's my beating heart. Here you go. Here's some songs. Uh, I, I'm not going to be around people for a little while. <laughs> so in a, in a way it was like, okay, I don't have to like go out to shows. I don't have to play these songs, which I think would be a little too painful for me to play anyway. So I guess COVID uh, gave me some, some real cover with that. Yeah. There were some songs though that from a listener perspective, receiving them, they almost seemed like kind of like gifts of empathy. That's how I received it on my end. The song Heavy, there was a, there's a desperation to needing to connect during COVID. And that to me, that song perfectly captures that. Did you continue to write songs during this time, or did you feel like you had to take a break on that? Because it, I'm like, where do you get inspiration? Again, bugs crawling into your kitchen mm -hmm. can only, you, how many songs can you make out of that? Yeah. So the answer is not many. <laughs> so did you continue to write during this time, or did you give yourself a little break? Uh, I took a little break because, uh, I mean, listening to music is an emotional exercise. Making it for me is is certainly that. I mean, that's that's really the only way I know how to make it is you you kind of try to follow the follow the thread of joy or follow the thread of emotion and you know kind of quiet yourself and and find where you need to feel and write that. Mm -hmm. um, and so for a long while I felt like I couldn't really do that. So I did just take a break from it and um, uh, when I went off to the off to the woods, uh, off to the shore. Um, I did write a little bit up there, but it felt real rusty. It felt like uh, I wasn't able to dig particularly uh, deep into stuff. People that don't, like me, who don't write songs and don't know what that's like, we had this myth in our head of, oh, there's going to be so much art that comes out of this. There's going to be so much great stuff when everybody was isolated and had nothing to do and, and, and the faucets are going to be open and we're going to get so much great creativity. And from talking to John Munson, he was like, that's not really how it works. We have to give ourselves permission to not feel guilty that we're not all of a sudden creating our masterpiece during this time. Did you ever have a moment where you're like, all right, I got to just give myself permission to not? Yeah, all, all, all the time, every day. I mean, the burdening yourself with 
this needs to be my magnum opus, you know, before you start writing, it just kills anything, you know? And I found that I just didn't have a ton of song ideas, like without stimulation, without talking with people. I mean, I'm a sponge, I soak in everything from everyone. And, you know, I, I steal snippets of conversations or, you know, things I overhear or, uh, I mean, anything that sparks imagination. And when you're cut off from everything, there really isn't uh, there really isn't a lot of that. So yeah. I do want to mention one other thing I did was I do have like a group of uh, songwriters and artists and stuff. And we would do kind of like weekly check-ins. And we even did uh, a song a day challenge for a few months over the winter. And that was uh, really kind of delightful to do. Uh, mostly because I wrote a ton of really terrible songs. But a lot of them made them laugh a lot. And a lot of them made me laugh a lot, which was uh, which was quite delightful. And usually that's kind of like at least a good first draft of something, you know, if you can if you can make people chuckle. When did you allow yourself to start listening to music again? And was there a song or or a moment that all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I can do this again? Oh, uh, yeah, I was by myself at a cabin, and uh, away, you know, away from the internet and away from my, my phone. And, um, and I finally had a feeling of like, Oh, like I'm just fine. I spent a bunch of time just hiking in the woods. Like I would, I would just go off and hike for, for a few hours every day. And I slowly started kind of putting myself back together is, is what it, what it felt like. And, um, I remember pulling up, uh, like a recording of Claire de Lune, uh, WC and, just sitting on the shore and just looping it for like an hour and just sitting there and just kind of like letting the, the, the emotion of the piece just kind of like kind of flow in and out. I just felt like it was kind of like unlocking, you know, uh, different things that I'd kind of like shoved aside for a while. And yeah, I think that was, that was maybe, maybe the most at least memorable uh, moment. And so that was a little bit of a turning point for you in terms of like just kind of opening yourself up again. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is okay. Okay, I'm, I'm, resi- I'm resilient enough. We can, we can do this. Okay. Yeah. So fast forwarding now to vaccines. I mean, how did you feel? You got vaccinated. Yeah. How did, how did you feel when you got vaccinated? Uh, great. I li- literally, I've never been more excited for a shot in my life. And they, I, I just wanted to jump for joy the entire time. I got the shot and I, I was so happy. I, I had to, it took everything to just not just weep for joy I was yeah yeah just just overwhelmingly happy I was like this could be coming to an end yeah great you know I was so appreciative of all the all the uh, people who had you know worked on making a vaccine great yeah wonderful just that first shot was like okay I'm gonna be okay let's let's make some art. Let's, <laughs> let's connect with people. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, you know, uh, had to get, had to get my second shot and stuff, but it was such a psychological like lift for me. Everything just felt so much happier. So, so great. And then one thing leads to another and you, you also had your first live show. What was it like to step on a stage for the first time after all of this? What, what were the emotions like? I don't know how the show was for, for the audience. Maybe it was okay. They seemed like they were very happy to be there. But for me, I would put it at probably like one of the top five shows of my whole life. <laughs> and it wasn't just connecting with the, the audience and playing and stuff. And yeah, okay, the, the, 
the, the sea of affirmation, you know, to, to feed the black hole inside of myself, you know, great. That's wonderful. But just being in a room with my, with my bandmates who, uh, some of them I hadn't seen the entire pandemic and then playing, playing music together. The rehearsals were magical. I hate rehearsals. Notoriously, I, I will try to skip every rehearsal I possibly can. And, um, uh, they were the, the most fun I'd had in, in, in months. Yeah. It's just wonderful. Yeah. As you look forward to the next phase and what you what you know the creativity that might come out of this, are there lessons that you want to carry with you? Are there things? Do you want to just put this whole thing in the past, or are there things that you want to carry with you that you think are valuable things that came out of this? I think COVID for me coincided with a lot of, I guess I would call it like ego death work for me. Um, my last two creative projects have really been like a, a kind of a, a stripping down. I felt like with late stage capitalism, it was it was about as big as I could make a record sound. And so the next one I did after that, uh, even though it came out before, was um, the ukulele album and then the mixtape stuff, which were both really kind of like stripping things away. Um, I'd gotten divorced like a like a few years earlier, and that also was just kind of felt like kind of the same thing. So I feel like. <laughs> With all of those things combined with COVID, it was like, I feel like uh, there's a lot that got stripped away, either socially or um, just for me personally. And I spent a lot of time diving into myself. So I think what I'm most looking forward to and the thing that I've learned is um, I'll be looking for ways to really reintegrate uh, with people, with musicians, with uh, social movements and find ways that I can be useful and, and helpful. I want to thank you for being on the being with me here today and also just for I think music helped so much so many of us through and so having the gifts of the songs that you were putting out or having the performances that you did it was a meaningful way for us to connect and to feel like we were grasping onto something that was normal for ourselves in that time and so I want to thank you for that and for helping a lot of people through this time so you're very welcome May the winter sun Shine on everyone May a love that's true Find its way to you Let Voices of COVID-19 is an attempt to document the thoughts and feelings of people who are perhaps outside the limelight to get personal reflections on how a pandemic impacts all of our lives. Please join us for the next episode when we'll speak with rapper, singer, writer, and host of the podcast Deeply Human. The one and only Dessa will join us talking about some of the challenges that she faced during the pandemic. I hadn't spent so many nights in the same bed in a really long time and I have shared notes with other musicians that I think a lot of us were forced to confront some stuff that maybe we'd been running from on the road. You know, just like you're your own company. So 
you really have an opportunity to introspect in a way that the constant rush of tour and the lights and the noise and the drinks and the applause, they can tamp down that. And so I think a lot of us were like, gosh, there's a lot about myself that I don't really like. That's on the next episode of Voices of COVID-19. Until then, thanks for listening. Stay safe, get vaccinated, and be considerate of each other. And we'll get through this together. Thank you.